Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it is United States Open Week, so we assemble the crew. The coach is here. Coach, good to have you. It is where the greatest minds in golf assemble. I want to be with the best competition. It's right here. <laughs> right here on the pod. Sia Najad is here. Sia, good to have you on a Tuesday. Coach, you missed the memo. It's light blue day today, <laughs> and I'm sorry we didn't get that message to you, but next time. Next, uh, next time. Thank you. Next time, well, gentlemen, we've got uh, a lot to cover here. We are going to do our storylines. We've got our best bets as usual, and this one and done. The fans vote specifically, Coach. I, I don't want to reveal who they selected, but I will tell you, the fan vote was decided by two votes. Every vote counts out there if you're trying to pick the fan one and done. I now have people, Rick, that are tweeting at me asking for advice on who to pick in the one and done, which tells me exactly what I've been saying for weeks. I am in their heads all the way down. I love that. I love that. You are living rent-free, coach. Gentlemen, um, we're in a moment, right? This is a moment that is uh, bigger than just the PGA Tour. Whether you want to hear about live or not, we're going to have to talk about it and see, a, I think it's fair, our, our – 2021 PGA champion has been suspended. The guy who has lifetime membership has been suspended by the PGA tour. So we're going to, we're going to have to talk about it. Uh, Phil Mickelson gave a interview about 28 minutes long, a press conference on Monday. And you could tell uh, very careful in his words, very cautious in his responses. Didn't feel like the uh, shoot from the hip fill that we usually get. No, that's true. And he's probably been told not to shoot from the hip, right? Because we know, and this is, you know, Brooks Kepka kind of talked about this, I think, earlier today when it when it comes to, hey, we want to talk about the US Open. We don't want to talk about live golf. This is, I think he used the word black cloud. But the, the fact is, we're going to talk about it. And it's it's fresh. It's new. We don't know what its impact is going to be on the PGA Tour. But when it comes to guys like Phil Mickelson, yeah, there's going to be legal battles down the way. We know that to be true. And it's probably best whether it's, you know, Jay Moynihan coming on with Jim Nance or whether on the other side it's Phil Mickelson. It's probably best to be pretty generic, pretty vague until, you know, the legal battle is is uh, begun. Generic and vague, Coach. That's, uh, I think, was Phil Mickelson's PR response. He was respectful he respects those questions he wants to make sure he understands that everyone has different opinions on this but i didn't really get a a big takeaway he tried to avoid a lot of the questions he was being asked when you're a public figure the uh the magnitude of a phil mickelson and you make such a cataclysmic 
mistake. And that's what this is because we don't know his entire financial situation. He's alluded to it and he's like, yeah, I've been reckless and all that, but I'm in a great financial situation now. And if you're the smartest guy in the room, then you also know that all the weight that he noticeably has lost, that's not the good kind of weight loss. That's the, you lose when you're stressed out and you don't know what is coming next. When you look at the money, that he would have made. I work for CBS. Full transparency. We all do. I also, full transparency, for those people who don't know, I'm one of the main announcers for the PGA Tour. So when you look at what Phil would have done if he would have stayed here, easily $10 million plus as a golf announcer for either one of the networks. And then he's already making twenty to $40 million a year in endorsements. That could have gone up. So just doing the, the conservative math, he could have made thirty to $50 million for the rest of his life. So when people say, oh, $200 million changed his life, not Phil Mickelson's, it did not. He would have made that in the next four years or five years. So he knows that now. And he realizes all my legacy, all the history of all the places I've won. And let's not forget, guys, have you heard one person, one, talk about the fact that he needs this U.S. Open? Have we <laughs> talked about that? He's a Masters champion, yes or no? Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. He's a PGA champion, yes or no? Yes. He's an open champion, yes or no? And I remember when he won, and he said, what did he say? I can't believe I won this one. My game didn't match up with him, but I got it done. I've been working what? What did he say? My entire career to get to this. So when you look at everything and you just put Phil up on that pedestal, it's sad. It's sad where he was. It's sad what we saw yesterday, and it's sad what he's going to turn into moving forward. I don't care where the money's coming from. I don't care. I care about competition. Competition is good. This is not competition. Phil Mickelson, a U.S. Open win away from completing the career Grand Slam, as Coach alludes to, and see a, a noticeably uh, Don in just – uh, his own logo, no other sponsor logos, as uh, we certainly suspected. And I thought there was a really good question late in that press conference. Someone asked him, because he had, to that point, said so many times, you know, I'm trying to grow the game, trying to grow the game, trying to grow the game. Phil, what did you do outside of playing golf last week in London to help grow the game? And you could you could tell, I don't think he was prepared for that one. That one, you know, the, the PR team did a pretty good job in crisis management. I'm not sure they covered that question um, in, in practice rounds, in practice rounds before. And Phil kind of alluded to, well, there were kids out there, which I'm not sure is necessarily unique to live over to London. I think that happens a lot on the PGA Tour. And uh, it seemed to catch him off guard. So, you know, as I believe with most of these guys, they don't believe a word they're saying. They took the money. They just can't say it. Yeah, the truth is, Phil Mickelson might not be the best case study as to why somebody might want to go play the Live Tour, um, right. Live Tour Golf. I mean, you take James Pyatt, who's who's in one of these featured groups, who's who's a kid who's I think played, you know, three or four PGA Tour events, missed the cut in all of them. He's probably an up and coming star, but we we don't know that yet. You know, a, a kid like that who probably hasn't made a lot of money, I can understand the the pull, the drive, or maybe an older golfer who who's not going to compete here. I'm not saying they should go or they should not go, but I can understand that perspective a little bit more than I can understand Phil's. And you're right. When it comes to quote, growing the game, that does, that does feel like empty words. Listen, I, I, I think there are perspectives that are not my own and maybe not yours that we need to consider when some of these people go over there or, or to do a different tour or quote, take a money grab. But in this case, 
like I I I wonder if Phil just sort of reveled in the idea of being the face of this tour. It sounds like it seems like he did, but he picked the wrong cause to be the face of. I think that's really the problem here is he's not the best ambassador for why one would go over to a competing tour. And real, and real quick, I think Sia hits on a couple of very, very important things. And I actually said this, I think, on one of the recaps uh, over the weekend, is that for certain guys, this does make a whole lot of sense. Richard Bland is the only player that I've seen that owned it 100%. He said, I'm 49 years old. This is about money for me. This is about the fact that I am not going to compete regularly on the PJ Tour or the European Tour. Now, to his point about not be, being the face of the wrong thing, that's the trickle-down effect, is that the PGA Tour is about so much more than just playing golf for money. First tee, PGA Tour Junior League, Steph Curry, all these different things, that's growing the game. Showing up in a town for three days and playing for $5 million is not growing the game. So those questions, when you don't have answers for them, and I would say when you're going to bring guys in, because I've done this, I've been a part of this, I've been up close and personal with this, and especially when it comes to Saudi Arabia, Give them different lines. Don't give them the same lines when I see Bryson and Phil and DJ and all these guys. Patrick Reed, camaraderie, stop it. Give them different lines to say so at least we think they're thinking for themselves because this is embarrassing. Bryson DeChambeau was embarrassing today or whenever that was talking to Todd Lewis. Yeah, that was um, – Bryson did the kind of like a one-off with Todd Lewis. He did not have an official press conference, but he answered questions for a few minutes with Todd Lewis, Sia, and it was it was Bryson-esque, right? It was quick, short answers, I'm smarter than you are, which is kind of what Phil was doing too. I mean, it's – yeah, it's – I don't know. They they don't believe what they're what they're talking about. But Bryson was kind of alluding to, well, I can do a lot more now. I'll have a lot more time on my hands. He tried to to work the philanthropic angle, which when I think of Bryson DeChambeau, I think of a lot of things. Not necessarily that he's a great philanthropist. So maybe a couple hundred million dollars changes that. But it, it was. It's just bizarre to see these guys kind of tiptoe around what everybody's thinking. Yeah, when it comes to Bryson, Bryson's going to Bryson, right? I mean, we, we talked about it, let's say, six, eight months ago, Rick, when we were talking about the Netflix special. And and his, I think his tagline there for not being on it was, well, I want to give the other people, you know, a spotlight. Like he's like, that's a, like a philanthropic gesture. Like, oh, let me let me have these other guys get the spotlight and not me because I'll suck up all the attention. And the truth is, Rick. And, and you said this when we talked about it, it was more like, well, Bryson wants to craft his own narrative and he's afraid that Netflix is going to craft a narrative that is different from his own reality, his own warped reality. And so I think that's what we have here. I, I don't think, I think Bryson, speaking of carefully crafted statements, I don't think they're good statements, but they're certainly crafted. And that's what you get out of Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, Rick, I did a, a CNBC podcast earlier today, do a lot of finance. They brought me on because of the US Open. And a couple of guys on there were like, the, the names, the former major champions, like had really, really, really smart guy. But what he was pointing out, and I said, wait, well, stop right there. Stop right there. There is no substitute for two words. Star power. Star power. If stars aren't coming, nobody's going to watch. We saw that. I, I would say if a tree falls in the forest, do you hear it? Did anybody hear Charles Schwartzel win on Saturday? No, because nobody watched. And that's the first week. That's the first weekend. They don't have any stars outside of Bryson. They just don't. And if you don't have star power, people have too much stuff to do to go find a bunch of guys playing a scramble for a bunch of money. We do that all the time. The final thoughts on 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 this, and we can kind of move on to, to John Rahm and, some, and obviously Brookline stuff, but um, 
the other thing that I thought Phil whiffed on Sia was he wasn't very likable. Phil Phil isn't Phil is inherently likable, right? What yes. I, like he says a lot of silly things for the last 30 years, but he's inherently likable. If you are in your first press conference back in four months and you know the questions you are going to be asked, it also probably doesn't help to cut off reporters, complain about how many questions they're asking you at once, and just genuinely be a jerk as you're trying to go through this too. Like it was, again, I keep going back to the word bizarre because Phil is so likable. It was weird to see it like that. Yeah, so as an attorney, I've taken or stood by as as counsel maybe a thousand depositions over a 13-year legal career, and every single one of them, you prep the witness. And usually that prep is like a few days, you know, you, you try to coordinate schedules and they come in for an hour or two and you just kind of tell them what questions are coming and here's maybe the response you want to give and, and that kind of thing. To your point, the idea that he had four months to cater his responses and be likable at the same time. And he wasn't able to pull it off, man, that is, that's, that's actually kind of crazy for somebody like Phil, who is very likable. I, I, I totally agree. He seemed irritated. Uh, he seemed like he had, you know, he, he was on no sleep, which I can understand that part of it, but yeah, it was, it was a really bad look. It could have been so much better. I'm, I'm honestly surprised. Contrast that with uh, John Rahm's comments this morning, Coach. John Rahm uh, defended the PGA Tour. He talked a lot about legacy, what that means to him, and took a couple of kind of low-key jabs at the Live Golf guys along the way. Well, it's, it's, it, that surprised me a little bit uh, for a couple of different reasons. He played his practice round with Phil Mickelson. Um, John Rahm and Phil are as close as it gets on the PGA Tour. Same school, same coaches. Uh, Phil's brother uh, quit. Uh, it's at one point because of John Rom. So to hear him say those things, a little surprising, but he has to. He understands that at certain times there you have to be a leader in whatever sport that you're playing in, just like a LeBron James or a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning. When you know your place in the game, you've got to step up and say something. And that is what I would tell all the people that are buying into the, oh, all of you would take the money. Or I've got a lot of respect for people in the chat. Uh, T. Leon, but like, listen, I was out there Saturday. I saw how the people reacted to him. He's not going to lose any endorsements long term. Wrong answer. He already has. And they're not coming back because he left what in America is the biggest golf tour on the planet. And the best one, too. The best one, too. And so the things he said, and I've heard his name, I think, because of his association with Phil. Oh, Rob could be the guy. Not after what he said today, because if he does, he is going to be crushed because he went all the way to the edge. And that's where he should be, just like Rory, just like JT, just like any of the stars that matter should be. And if they don't get any of the mega stars, this will not be competition. It'll be where a bunch of over the hill guys go to make a bunch of money and be fat and happy. And that's the extent of it. But how long are, is the government going to be happy with no attention to it? Because after the next couple of weeks, we're not talking about this anymore. We are not. And it will be just something they do over there. We'll see how much they like it when nobody's paying attention. The uh, the the old guys being fat and happy is kind of what John Rahm was alluding to. See, he said uh, something to the effect of, you know, for most of these guys, it's basically a nice retirement plan. They were They were close to retiring anyway, and he's not particularly wrong outside of you know Bryson and and still the strangest one to me being Taylor Gooch but like that's what that's what they've gotten thus far and Rom goes on record and says hey good for you it's not for me 
Yeah, and that's sort of the perspective I was alluding to a few minutes ago. I mean, I think I think, and I think Coach spoke to it too. There are some people where it kind of makes sense if if you want to strike, you know, the, the sort of the moral and ethical aspect of this, and just look at it from a dollars and cents standpoint. And what am I going to do on the PGA Tour versus what am I going to do here financially? I totally get why somebody like Richard Bland, for example, might go over there. Um, but with that said, you know. Here we are in, to Coach's point, a, a competing league, which for the record, I do think it's possible that more stars might go over there and, and they, they might get, you know, a, a little bit better at doing these tournaments and maybe get a TV contract one day, but it's still not going to eclipse the PGA Tour. And for the record, I think the PGA Tour long term is going to emerge better from this because they are going to see what competition they have. And it's not, it's not necessarily real competition, but it's it's going to put more incentive for them to improve their game, the coverage of it, uh, the incentives to the players, you, you know, all, all of those things. I think long term, short term, I don't think it's even that big a hit to the PGA Tour, but long term, I think this is really good. And I actually think competition helps in general, as a general premise, competition helps uh, fine tune uh, the, the leader in the clubhouse, if you will, which is the PGA Tour. I love it. I love it. Well, gentlemen, let's. Uh, I'm going to work this transition here. We're going to get to our best bets, our one and done, all that fun stuff. But turning our attention to the country club, coach, this is the United States Open. There's obviously a lot on the line. Last week felt like a major championship. This actually is a major championship. We're going to get kind of the classic USGA setup of narrow fairways and thick rough. And we're going to go back to a place with unbelievable levels of history i mean th this is this is shaping up to be at least one of the most memorable uh major championships that we've had in quite some time i, I think that's a great word rick i think with all the factors that are in play this week that this will be one of the most talked about u.s open when it's all said and done and the course will be one of the stars now Watching, I always watch the press conferences anyway. This week, maybe a little bit extra. But the one thing I took away, and I want people at home to really hear me here. Roy McIlroy, in one of his interviews, said that the thing that surprised him the most at Brookline is how playable the rough was. And normally at the U.S. Open, that's not the case. We saw when Bryson won, he hit it so far down there that they didn't bother to, to make the, the rough grow up. And that was to his advantage. And apparently, there's more of that the same this week. So it's going to be just like we like it. Really hard, got to hit it straight, but I think it's going to favor long hitters like Rory, like Bryson, like DJ, like these guys that hit it so far down that maybe they can still play out of the rough, and that's something to look for this week. How is this course uh, setting up for you? Is, is it ruling out? Everybody but 25 guys like Brooks Kepka seems to think in most of these major championships. No, I, I mean, I think there's more than maybe 25 that are in play, but I think that's a pretty fair number. Uh, and I, I agree. Listen, I, I'm definitely looking for guys who have the all around game, which you could probably say for almost every major. Um, that's interesting that, that what coach said about the rough, because I think going into the week, we thought the rough was just going to be extremely penal. Of course, it's going to be penal still, uh, which is why I am looking for generally I'm looking for accurate guys and guys that are good around the green because of because of just the small greens and maybe playing out of the rough more often than not. So uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is. I think there's probably more than 25 guys in play. I think there there is room for somebody, and we did the DFS show yesterday, so that's my perspective right now. Somebody in the like low 8K or high 7K range, like for for example, Sung J M, um, somebody like that. I think you could go all the way down to him in terms of hey, these are guys that are in play to win this tournament. Well, why don't we just jump 
head first into this. We'll get to our best bets. We'll get to our one and done selections. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. The best bets. That's where we go over to Caesar Sportsbook and we scour every square pixel of that website and we come back with the best possible option. We have two matchups and a three ball. Let's start with the three ball. See ya. That's yours. John Rahm over Colin Morikawa and James Pyatt. Yeah, so... It's really just a matchup, right? And no no disrespect to James Pyatt, but th- th- he's got no chance here. He's not going to make the cut. He hasn't made the cut on the PGA Tour yet. He was he was at Live last week. I think he was a T25, which, you know, I, I don't know where his head was at necessarily, but T25 in that field, not great. So I, I really truly think this is Rom over Morikawa. And I'll tell you, Caesars has a good number here because this same exact three ball at another prominent uh, betting site, which we won't name, is minus 140. So I'm just... Those don't exist. There are no other sites. Caesars well, is well, Rick, to the extent they exist, they give numbers that aren't as fruitful as Caesars. So I don't know why you'd shop anywhere else. My point is, I really like Rom this week in general. I mean, I think the, the words he used th- this morning were were nice, but that's not really factoring in. I, I think his game is starting to peak. We know the around the green game was super sketchy as of a few months ago, but he sort of picked that up. And we know historically his around the green game is just fine. The approach and the off the tee, it's been a little spotty for John Rom, but overall it's been great. So I think we're at a moment where Rom is peaking, and I don't know that I can say the same about Colin Morikawa. I don't know where he's at. His approach game has been a little sketchy. Obviously, around the green, he can have problems way more than John Rom. So I think you're getting a good number here at minus 120. Minus 120, John Rom over Colin Morikawa and James Pyatt. Coach, John Rom also makes an appearance in your best bet, but the other side of things, Rory McIlroy to take him down. I'm using one word this week, and that's motivation. That when I handicap, and we're going to see, uh, last week I nailed my winner, my best bet, my top five. I, I hit everything. I swept the board. Uh, you're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. But when I handicap, there's always a different reason for my picks. And this week is all about motivation. This week is all about wanting to show others how great you are. And Rory McIlroy did that better than anybody a week ago just like I said he would right here on the show. And I'm telling you again, this week he is motivated for a lot of different reasons. He hasn't won a major in a very, very long time. John Rahm, I called the Mexico Open. I called his win, and he played okay, but it wasn't a tremendous field, and so I don't think he had his A game. Roy McIlroy has his A game. I think Rahm will win Sia's bet on Friday, and I'll win my bet on Sunday. There yeah. you go. There's a path to both of these getting there, uh, yep. which which would be very exciting. I'm going to go with Cameron Young over Billy Horschel. 
uh, Billy, we found out, kind of, he injured his finger on a boat. That's tough, but uh, he seems to think it's going to be okay. But I, I don't care either way. See, Cam Young is uh, one of the best drivers on the planet, but he is not a one-trick pony. He has touch around the greens, which usually does not go well. Or that, that th- Those two combinations, bomb it off the tee and have touch around the greens, that's rare. And they're basically the two things that I think are going to be most important this week. I'll take him over Billy Ho. Yeah, it's incredible how good he is with both the ball striking and the short game at this phase of his career. It's it's truly incredible. I mean, last, let's say, 24 rounds, he's fifth here around the green. His sand saves aren't quite as good, but they're they're pretty great. I mean, it's pretty good regardless. Off the tee, he's amazing. Um, approach is, is pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't see a problem here, especially coming off of what you mentioned with a potential uh, nagging injury for Billy Ho. Cam Young over Billy Horschel, minus 120. Rory McIlroy over John Rahm, minus 140. John Rahm over Colin Morikawa and James Pyatt, minus 120. Those are our best bets for this week. So, gentlemen, we can roll along to our sleepers, our top 10 wagers, and our picks to win. Let's start with our sleepers. Oh, look at this, Coach. You are riding the hot hand. Who do you got here? You're damn right. I'm riding the former U.S. Open champion. And a man who on Sunday was about to shock the world (laughs) with nearly a 59 at the Canadian Open. He has slowly been getting his game back. And he's the perfect example of a grinder, of a guy that doesn't get ahead of himself. And he's already won this tournament and knows how to get it done. I love Justin Rose at plus 5,000. Justin Rose, 50 to 1. Sia, you too have found yourself a golfer at 50 to 1 for your sleeper. Who is it, please? Yeah, it is Daniel Berger at, again, 50 to 1. I I think Daniel Berger's form is really, I mean, he's really coming into form. We saw it, what, two weeks ago at the Memorial. I was big on him then because I thought he was starting to flash with the putter, even though the metrics were a little vague on that. But again, I I mentioned, Rick, on that show, if you go round by round, which of course you can do on, on your site, it really painted a different picture in terms of his putter. The ball striking is great. He's likely going to keep it in the fairway way better than most of the guys in this tournament. The approach game is good, and the, and the around the green game is pretty good. So I think at 50-1, to 1, you're getting pretty good value on uh, Daniel Berger. Not not, not that you're asking, but Daniel Berger was my number two. That's who I was going to nice. go with if I didn't go with Justin Rose. There you go. We are aligning here. Mark is uh, headed to vacation, but he still filled out the outline. Davis Riley at 60-1 to 1 is his sleeper, and I'm going – with pure chaos, Patrick <laughs> Reed, 80 to 1. Uh, we'll get to the live golf stuff in a second, but uh, unbelievable short game, right? We, we know that. And when you go to a golf course with the second smallest greens in major championship history, a lot of guys are going to be playing from greenside. If a lot of guys are playing from greenside, Patrick Reed generally has a leg up. Coach, it would be the, the heel storyline of the year if Patrick Reed in his send-off uh, here on the tour before he goes to Portland was to win the United States Open. Well, and using his words, uh, the camaraderie that he's getting ready to join is something he's looking very to. It's very much like the Ryder Cup. Um, that's exactly what I thought of, too, watching that. And also the fact that he texted a bunch of his buddies that morning. We know that's a lie. So um, when you look at Patrick Reed, the only scenario, and I'm a born heel, Anybody that knows that I love this stuff. I eat it for breakfast. And I thought about this last night. If you get a Rory McIlroy mm. and a Patrick Reed mm. on Sunday morning in the final round or close or the final group or close to the final group, 
can you imagine in Boston a repeat of what we saw in said Ryder Cup all those years ago? Sometimes the golfing gods just make it right. And boy, this would be really, really fun to watch. Oh, boy. Yeah, we are. uh, We could be brewing towards a, a special one come this weekend. Okay, gentlemen, top 10 picks for this week. Mark is going with Justin Thomas. That is plus 140. Sia, you are going with a golfer who refuses, refuses to finish outside the top 10 at U.S. Opens. That's right. And he refuses to finish outside of the top seven the last five years, Rick. It's pretty incredible. I mean, I think you can make the argument that this is a slightly different setup from the from some of the ones we've seen over the last five years. But listen, Xander's coming in with good form. He's been really good on U.S. Open tracks. And I think plus 225 is a pretty good number for a guy who refuses to fall outside of the top seven. That is plus 225 for Xander Shoffley. I'm I'm going with Rom. Uh, Sia, you kind of mentioned this earlier. Uh, he's he's fixed the short game woes that have actually stopped him from, from winning. Um, this is you know a, a very good setup for him. I'll take plus 165. John Rom and coach, I, I really like the guy that you have chosen to finish inside the top 10. More on him on my card in a second. You have Jordan Speed. Uh, yeah, and and just to be fair to Mark, which I normally always am, he's just scared because I had Justin Thomas as a top five. He's just trying to take the easy way out with JT. I love JT top five. So Spieth, though, because if you watch anything, on the, I've had just had the golf channel on all day. My boy Damon Hack gave a great report earlier today about how this course is going to require every part of your game. And we've seen him at maybe the most difficult greens to ever put on in the history of the U.S. Open, and he got it done. And he got it done. I remember that U.S. Open. I remember the finish. I remember how awesome he was. And I think he has potential to do that this week. So I'm going to protect that a little bit and go with a top 10 instead of anything higher. All right. Well, I'll just take the the, the segue there because uh, I've got Jordan Spieth to win this. And I, I, I just believe there's not a lot of good USGA setups for him. This is definitely a better one where it will ask for creativity around the greens. It'll ask him to play out of the fairway, which he's doing much more frequently as of late. Um, There's, to me, two paths to victory, be a great ball striker or have an elite short game. Spieth kind of covers both of those paths. 22 to 1, he is my selection to win the U.S. Open, which would also be just a phenomenal, phenomenal Sunday for the first cut pod and everybody involved in that. that Oh, gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. See ya. A familiar yeah. has made another appearance on your card. Your pick to win, please. Yeah, it's John Rom. I'm trying to, I, I don't want to say be early on John Rom. That would be a ridiculous statement, but I do think he's putting the entire game together. And I think this might be a good time to strike. I will admit that I, I like him a little bit better in DFS than I do in the outright market. So I just kind of want to put that out there. Plus 1,400 isn't exactly a fruitful number. I, I do love that speed call at 2,200, by the way. Um, but I do think John Rahm has a chance to win this tournament, and, and I think he's being a, a slightly overlooked. John Rahm, 14-1 to one to win the U.S. Open. Mark and Coach have finally agreed on something. And coach, that is your selection to win this week at the country club. Be very careful when you say we've agreed on something. <laughs> he texted me, asked who was going to win. I texted him back and said, this guy. And so that's why he used Roy McElroy. So 
<laughs> I'm clearly the brains behind the operation. By the way, uh, Rick, do you do you smell that? Do you, do you, do you smell? I, I I smell a potential showdown here. I smell a potential showdown here. Now I, I love how Sia has this incredible knack to oh shucks. Oh, I like this guy to win. Oh, plus forty. He's a savage. Sia is. But my my best bet. You know what it is, Sia. It's Rory over John Rom. So I would challenge you. I'll take Rory. You take Rom. Higher finish pays. Are you in? I mean, first of all, Coach, I'm always I'm always in on a showdown. However, I, I do want to point out Rory is a big favorite, deservedly so. I'll pay the two. It, what, minus 140? No, I'll, yes, pay, I'll, pay, I'll pay you 140. No, Coach, you don't have to pay the 140. I'll take – well, see, here's the thing. If you look at the next slide, you're going to see why maybe I don't want to do that. Oh, you might have Rory as your one. I see, I see what you're saying. Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. But I, I respect that reasoning, though. I respect that reasoning. That's the only reason, because I jump at any showdown, even if it's a loser. Oh, I know you do. I love, <laughs> I love, that. I love that. Sorry, Rick. Uh, Coach, it is not lost on me that uh, Rory McElroy has filled out this row and this column for you now two weeks in a row. And uh, you are one for one, my friend. He got the job done at the RBC Canadian Open. You are asking him to win the second leg of the Triple Crown, Canadian Open, U.S. Open, Open Championship. And here's what I want people to understand, Rick, and I'm so glad you set me up for this. Thank you, sir. You are an incredible host. And I can't wait for you to join me on the PGA Tour very, very soon. Now, with that being said, people say all the time you can't go back to the well, and normally in golf that would be true. But I've noticed that when Rory really has a reason, he wants to go out there and show out. And last Sunday, he had a reason. We didn't know about it until after he won. And then we found what's motivating him. You think if Greg Norman motivated him from across the pond, what are all those dudes that are going to be staring him in the face, playing with him, are going to do for Rory McIlroy? He's going to have the motivation right in front of him. I'll take that all day. Jacob, this is why he's the best, coming in with a nice little nugget for you here, Coach. The last person to win a PGA Tour event and a major championship in back-to-back weeks, that was the one, Rory. McElroy 2014 he won Bridgestone and then the PGA championship at Valhalla he's done this before oh That's really cool. I may, maybe I knew that I don't know I'm a genius <laughs> oh, let's go um Rory for Mark and the coach I'll go with Spieth Sia will go with John Rahm which generally leaves us with one final thing to do that is our one and done selections. We're going to do that, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. 
available now. And we're back. Don't release, don't release that slide yet, Jacob. Hold on tight because I have the fan vote results. And boy, oh boy, were they close. In third place, with 11% of the vote, the fans did not select Dustin Johnson. Smart. <laughs> with 26% of the vote and falling just two votes shy of being the selection, the fans did not select Xander Shoffley. Ooh. Smart. That's that's a I don't that's know. A with 28% of the vote and just two votes clear, the fans have gone with Will Zalatoris for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I love the reaction. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, this is what I'm, uh, let's go with this. That's how many three putts he'll have this week. At least, at least. If you're not watching on YouTube, uh, coach is putting up a full handful. That's five. I five, 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 five. Oh my goodness. Fans. Thank you. Thank you. Every week I get in your head and every week you step <laughs> up and continue to show that I get in your head. This is awesome. But apparently I'm in Greg's head too. Oh, yeah. and Mark, Mark's too. Yeah, so that's – Will Dallatoris is uh, the, the big the big selection here, Sia, because it's the fans, it's Greg, it's Mark. Uh, everybody else, let me just confirm this, is – oh, no, Kyle and I are, are on the same page. But there's a lot of, you know, lone wolf scenarios. But Will Dallatoris will be the selection for the fans, for Mark, and for Greg. Yeah, he's going to be a popular play in DFS most likely as well. We know he's a, a big game hunter, or at least we think that early in his career. I mean, I, listen, I, I don't know. I can't remember who the, who the fans still have, but I probably would have chose Xander over Will Zalatoris. But why would anybody respect my opinion with the one and done at this moment in time? It, it, real quick, I need to address something, uh, Rick. And you say respect your opinion. Have you guys ever taking the time out of your lives to go watch a show, <laughs> go watch a show and then write this. All three of you morons are media morons. So morons twice in the same sentence. Uh, you're missing the point by hundred miles. Not sure what you're talking about. Shut up. This is a show where we talk. We are literally experts in this field, not at picking things, but in golf, we all work in the sport. So big Mike, whoever you are, we didn't come to watch your show, son. You came to watch us. So if you want us to shut up, click. You don't have to watch us. We don't need you. That that's one of the better that's one of the better reviews we've gotten in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about for the record. And he and neither does he. Neither okay, does he. Enough. Okay. Sorry, uh, Rick. No, it's all good. Um, all right. See ya, my friend. There's a lot of money on the line this week. Unfortunately, it's 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 never going to be enough for you. You need a lot more on. You need a lot more on the line. You're well you're with Rory. You got a big dog in your pocket here, but you are going to need a miracle. Yeah, I've I've saved a, a lot of horses, which uh, clearly is a great strategy. Uh, <laughs> I was debating uh, Rory and Scotty Scheffler. I actually fell on Rory because I do think. I mean, this is a very small margin thing, but I think there is going to be a weather advantage to the Thursday a.m. 
um, crowd uh, for just from a win standpoint. That could change in five minutes, but I'm just throwing that out there. Roy's in the morning. Scotty was in the afternoon uh, on Thursday. But uh, listen, I can reduce this pick to something a wise man uh, once said. People say you can't go back to the well, but you can when you have motivation. He's going to have the motivation right in front of him. That type of endorsement is all I need to validate my one and done, the winner of the 2022 U.S. Open, Rory McIlroy. Uh, C is a quick learner, Coach. He just he he heard that, consumed it, and reiterated it just from like 30 seconds ago. Hey, the great ones take other advice from the great ones. That's just how it works. <laughs> Uh, Kyle and I have opted for Brooks Kepka. I will not speak for Kyle. I'm, I, I'm just, I, I'm out of guys. This is the, this is the, <laughs> the highest board that I hadn't used yet, and I am not particularly excited about it. I hope I can find a miracle, but that's kind of where I'm at at this point in the season. <laughs> I actually, Rick, I actually had Brooks on my my little short list today, and I could never. And then I, of course, KP has to tweet out that stupid stat about how only 616 golfers he's beaten out of 620 in the last. I still couldn't pull the trigger. I still could not do it, even with all the ridiculous U.S. Open stats that he owns. I could not do it. Oh, I, I feel you. I feel you. I couldn't do it either. I'm but just. I'm, I'm going. To I'm going to battle with. Uh, no shield and uh, not much ammo, I think here. But hopefully, I can hopefully I can get lucky. Jacob, Jacob, please, please come in. Come in. Uh, this is an interesting strategy, Jacob. Let me let me see if I can figure out what's going on here because you are uh, only two hundred thousand dollars behind the coach, and you have taken a guy who plays well at majors, and really, this legit might be your last crack to ever use him. <laughs> you, you, we're gonna go with Louis Wusthazen, uh, or as I might have heard someone on the live broadcast call him Louis Wusthazen. I mean, look, the guy does well at U.S. Opens. I mean, not gonna have a lot of more opportunities to use him. I also, importantly, don't have a lot of other people in the bank as well. I mean, I got DJ. That's you know, I think I'd still rather take Louis over DJ right now. Uh, He's Louis is an accurate driver of the ball. No one else I had in the staples was looking solid. I mean, I also love the leverage play, right? I mean, I had to assume no one else was going to take Louis Wusthazen. I could have been wrong there, uh, but I had already used Zalatoris at one point. I got burned by Brooks at the Masters. You know, he's not fooling me. Rory McIlroy is getting the CM mush, so hate to see it for him. He's probably going to miss the cut, even though my the cbssports.com i wrote that rory was going to win so i'm i'm also on the very very bold take that rory mcelroy will play well this week um so thanks for ruining that see ya <laughs> I, I said in, in my article, a, a revision to that i think jacob you could just revise that column <laughs> yeah i gotta go see if that's published i'll hit up silver and see if we can get that taken down um i mean brooks kepka i you know i like i said i got burned i mean he's a little overtaken by this whole lift golf stu- stuff this week. You can tell that's in his head whenever is a guy who famously things don't get in his head allegedly, but you know, make of that what you will. Louis Wu stays in. That's the pick we're going with. I mean, do I love it? No, I did. Leverage works both ways though. So maybe, maybe the upside will be there. I just need to beat you guys. I mean, really, I get. I need to beat Will Zalatoris, Jordan Spieth, 
Uh, I'm going to write off Brooks Kepka to my to my detriment, and I guess Roy McElroy. Oh boy, Louis Ustay's in coach. That's that's who's uh, in your immediate rear view, and you're you're rocking and rolling with uh, Spieth this weekend, my friend. I hope you make a lot of money with Jordan Spieth this week. First and foremost, I love the jeweler. Love Jacob. Uh, I don't know what was more entertaining. Some of the things that he just said or some of the people in uh, the chat. Uh, Cody says, <laughs> oh, no, it's not Cody. Who says he he worries for Rory's life now that he is? <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, Mark Emmelman got very lucky early in the season, and now he's literally hanging on for his life. And if we can hit one of these majors, we can at least get in the rear view where he can see us. Because right now he's driving through New Mexico and there's nobody in his rear view. But that all changes over the course of the next four days. I've been very strategic to hold on to Jordan Spieth until this week. Just to lay it on. Last week, the week before, I'm cashing big six-figure tickets. This week, we're going seven figures. Let's roll. Rick, back to you. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll, I won't make up ground in the one and done, but I'll be a rich man if Jordan Spieth wants to go out and win this golf tournament. I'm willing to uh, accept those consequences, so I'm rooting for you, Coach. So just to recap here, uh, from top to bottom, Mark has gone with Will Zalatoris. Coach has gone with Jordan Spieth. Jacob has gone with Louis Ustazen. I've gone with Brooks Kepka. The fans and Greg, in order, have both gone with Will Zalatoris. Kyle has gone with Brooks Kepka, And Sianajad has gone with Rory McIlroy. Those are the official one-and-done selections for this year's U.S. Open. Gentlemen, any final shots, parting words before we get out of here on what is likely to be a very fun and exciting week of golf? I would just like to have people just enjoy the U.S. Open for what it is. We talk about this stupid stuff because it's our jobs to do, but this is my second favorite week of the entire year, and I into, in, intend to enjoy it uh, just about as much as I always do because it always ends on Father's Day too, which is my number one job in life. There you go. See, uh, I'm, you can't follow that up. I'm not even going to let you try. Uh, I will say we have a special show tomorrow. Uh, and Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong here. This is 11 a.m. Eastern time. We are going to have kind of like a live Q&A betting gambling show. Am I correct on the time and the format? You are 100% correct. So bring uh, bring some extra bets tomorrow at 11 a.m. And get out of Dodge, Rick. Head over and I'll see you in Boston after that. Yes, and we will be doing – so are we going to do the first cut round-by-round round recaps like in person in the same room? What? Uh, what? Yes. That's that's the plan. I mean, if if we don't, then things will be, be weird. That's Rick, have you ever been in the same room with Jacob? Have you ever been in the same room with Jacob? Yeah, I've met Jacob. I've met Kyle. I've met Mark. But I, I, can't, I don't know if there's been a time where more than two of us have been in the same spot at the same time, not, at least not with me involved. Greg's also going to be there too. So coach, you're the designated survivor. I think as someone declared, um, yeah, if something happens at Brookline, you run the whole, you run everything. Coach. I run yeah, the board like and the, and all that. You're like the labor secretary during the state of the union. You, know, you, you got to stay back in case all hell breaks loose. Well, I'm here for it. I want you boys to travel safe because this is going to be fun. You guys are going to have a great time once you get off the hour commute one way. So have fun with that.
<laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, see you guys tomorrow in round by round recaps. But for now, producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. The coach, he's available on Twitter at the coach rules. See Najad. Find him at Sia Najad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. 